We're walking to DEFCON. What can we expect? So we're here at DEFCON 27, the 27th edition of what's probably the biggest and maybe weirdest hacking conference in the world. Uh, there should be 25,000, 30,000 people here uh, for the weekend. This you are comes. sounding way more enthusiastic than I think your face shows. Uh, should I start again? <laughs> yeah, <start> again. <laughs> no, that's good. That's perfect. For over 25 years, hackers, spies, cops, Silicon Valley bros, technologists, and even politicians descend upon Las Vegas, Nevada for what's become the preeminent hacker conference in the entire world, DEF CON. For cyber journalists, it's a nonstop source fest and social circuit in casinos or hotels with blaring top 40 hits. It's also been the site of high-profile arrests of hackers, like Dmitry Skylarov in 2001. Officers arrested him in Las Vegas last week after he gave a presentation on software security at a hacker's convention. Skulyarov's supporters say he is not a hacker. They say he was drawing attention to security flaws. DEFCON, a reference to the famous hacking movie War Games. All right, flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. It wasn't always so mainstream. Besides countless InfoSec talks and Capture the Flag games, it used to be a sort of anarchic hack fest, with attendees trying to outdo one another by infiltrating each other's devices or hacking personal information. As you can imagine, people take precautions at DEF CON to not get hacked, but the paranoia runs deep. I caught up with Domain Tools malware analyst Tarek Saleh at the conference to talk just how seriously people take their security at DEF CON. So do you buy the whole DEFCON, like, did you bring like six burners and like a tinfoil hat and a mask to make sure people don't see your face? Like, what is this stuff? That's hilarious. Uh, no, I, uh, I run my iPhone and I run my MacBook and my iPad. And uh, the only thing I do different, and not really even that different, is just I run a VPN. And even then, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to say there's a lot of hyperbole, but I think there's a lot of myth and uh, a little bit of mysticism and hype uh, surrounding um, what happens here at DEF CON and B-Sides and Black Hat and all these security conferences. You know, attackers are, um, or, or people in information security, I should say, are generally um, really busy right now. We have a lot of things going on and we have a lot of events going on. And the notion that people are um, spending a lot of time trying to attack others is it happens. Uh, you can't say it doesn't happen because it does, but the li- you have to look at things through like a likelihood perspective. And the likelihood of something bad happening is generally really low, you know, uh, to the average person walking the casino floors. Um, so I personally don't believe in the hype that much, and uh, I think it's a bit of a hyperbole. Just be smart about what you do. Um, like any other time, though, I-, I find it's like it becomes this really weird way for someone to tell you sh- about sh- like some ghost stories like oh man i was once i was in a bar and i saw fsb they were after my code man i'm like mr robot and you're like you're not it's just defcon relax relax that's so true man it is there's a lot of and you know i think that's probably also part of uh the security community in general we like to kind of 
I don't want to say we're we're falsely hyping up stories, but there is a lot of like hype there where, you know, I don't think it necessarily needs to exist all the time. You know, it's uh it's not as sexy and it's not as sophisticated as people make it out to seem sometimes too. And and I'm speaking strictly in a sense of people being attacked, like personal people being attacked on while they're just walking the casino floors and whatnot. You know, you know, technology has advanced so much that a lot of these common attacks are so much more difficult to pull off nowadays. So back in the day, if we took a time machine back to 10 years ago, five years ago, um, it would take me about, you know, five seconds to jump on, on, on a community Wi-Fi network and steal passwords. But nowadays we have a thing called HTTPS where, you know, 90% of the websites out there use it. So stealing passwords is, it's kind of complex now. It's not as simple as it used to be. You know, and uh, so the notion of of an elite hacker being on the same hotel network as you and stealing your passwords, the likelihood of that, that's really, really low. I'd bet my life savings that the odds of that happening to an individual nowadays is almost insignificant. I mean, I haven't been using the hotel Wi-Fi, but I don't use hotel Wi-Fi in most places just because it's like as clean as a hotel swimming pool. <laughs> but like, I think so, just seeing the masks, like the facial recognition masks that people are wearing and just all sorts of... It, I mean, I get it, I get it, but like at the same time, like I just... I, I would... I, either like you must be playing dress up or you're that stressed out for like four days. And for me, like I'm stressed out having to chase hackers around to interview them. <laughs> you know, I think one of the problems is too is that there's a lot of self-paranoia in this community. Um, it, you know, and a lot of the community was bred out of this paranoia, right? Some people call it healthy paranoia. Um, there's a thing called threat modeling too. And threat modeling, just to be super quick about it, is just take a look at who is the type of individual that would attack you and kind of build a defense around that, right? So if you're walking down the street in like a shady part of town and, you know, uh, you're going through an alleyway, you know, you kind of have to threat model, okay, what's the likelihood of me getting mugged here? And what do I have to lose? And maybe I should just take a different street. And uh, we, there's a lot of individuals in this community. And, you know, I know I'm going to, you know, make probably some enemies by saying it, but I think they're ex- they're, they're way too paranoid about things. You know, wearing these, you know, facial recognition masks, it's like, well, we're in the middle of Las Vegas where it's, uh, the, the amount of CCTVs in this area are overwhelming. You know, there's, you know, tons of people in a public area. Like, what are you, I don't understand what you're trying to hide from or who are you trying to hide from? And what's the likelihood someone's going to, you know, recognize who you are? And what's the impact of that? So what if somebody knows who you are right here? You know, you have to threat model it. But however... If you're going to a country, um, maybe like China, where we've seen weaponized facial recognition, then I think you have a legitimate case. The Chinese government has plans to use this new biometric technology to cement its authoritarian rule. The country has ambitious plans to develop a vast national surveillance system based on facial recognition. You're threat modeling it like, okay, I'm in an environment where the likelihood of facial recognition being used against me is much higher. Absolutely. But if you're a bad guy, you know, attending this conference, because there are some, um, you know, I would question you even being here. Uh, but, you know, the ones that do and you use facial, anti-facial recognition, okay, maybe I could see that. I still think you're silly, but, you know, it happens. As soon as you wear that mask, I'm like, hmm, you're either, like, you become different in a target. Like, come on. Well, isn't it ironic that you're attracting more attention to yourself yeah. by wearing a mask that is designed to, like, make you not be recognized. This is part of that hypocrisy that I see all the time in the community that 
I just get a little bit kind of uh, frustrated with. Like, for example, uh, yesterday I was meeting a, I was meeting a buddy's buddy, and I was like, oh, you know, where do you work at? And um, the person was extremely paranoid and just said, uh, I work at Undisclosed. And I'm like, oh, okay, man, well, you probably work at Arby's. That's cool, man, whatever. Like, <laughs> the, no, I, the, the paranoia is something I just, I personally don't get because you have to threat model it. Otherwise, you are just maximum stressed out all the time. I'm just trying to make conversation and say, hey, how's it going? You know, where do you work? What do you do? And met with like, oh, I can't tell you where I work. Like, okay. Well, I guarantee you don't work at the NSA. So, which is an acceptable answer. Like if you worked at the NSA, I totally get it. Like, yeah, you can't tell me where you work, but you do InfoSec for Arby's or something? Like, come on, man. Do you mind saying what you do or no? Uh... I work in cybersecurity. I won't say more than that. I, I agree with you. Just like at a certain point, I'm like, you're just gonna ruin your life trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to run from this. You know, like, you gotta just live your life. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So my partner in crime in Las Vegas for DEFCON this year was motherboard reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Vicerai. I caught up with him after to give me his thoughts on this illustrious 27th year of DEFCON and how the infosec and cyber community is changing. Lorenzo, DEFCON 27, is it any different from the last few that you've been to in any way? Well, in some ways it was a little different. It was more spread out. It was over three or four hotels. So it felt like uh, it was bigger. Um, I think the organizer said it was around 30,000 attendees, which I believe it's a record. Also, I heard a lot of people say that people were nicer, uh, which I'm not sure I can confirm because, you know, it's it's hard to tell. But but definitely I, I heard it and saw it on Twitter from a lot of people, um, you know, who noticed that the goons who are sort of the volunteers who you know, do a little bit of security as well as, you know, tell people where to go and help people out. They definitely seemed less uh, um, aggressive than in other years. To to put it into context, the goons uh, sort of have this um, attitude that it's kind of like trolly and a little bit like abrasive, but on purpose and supposedly in an endearing way. But in the past few years, people like had, you know, complained about them because they can be just rude. That's something I, I kind of I, I picked up on because, you know, in past years I've been there, there's always this, you know, overwhelming fear that you're going to get hacked or people are out to get you. I remember one year, I think it was 2015, I was told, like, not even to go near the cell phone towers. Just don't even don't even turn your phone on if you don't want it to get it hacked. And, and I just kept thinking, like, well, why do people even come to this thing if it's just this troll, this troll center? But. This is the first DEF CON I think I've been to that I not only observed on Twitter and in person, people being like, nah, I'm not about that that toxic shit anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, I don't know if this is a concerted effort from the organizers or maybe just people growing up. I think it's it's a result also of the culture in general changing. You know, earlier this year we we reported that there was a Facebook group, a pretty popular Facebook group, made up of a lot of um, relatively well-known hackers in the scene that was like, you know, sharing and commenting and talking about a lot of uh, misogynistic shit and, you know, um, putting down women and making racist jokes. And and some of these people were connected to a conference called DerbyCon. Obviously, DerbyCon, mm, you know, said that they were not responsible for their, their volunteers doing this stuff. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think this year is really when people in the hacker scene realized that there was some toxicity that needed to be addressed. Obviously, the problems are still out there, and I'm, I don't want to say that everything has been solved. But the fact that a lot of people noticed DEFCON being nicer is probably a result of this. Um, you know, people just realizing that they need to do something about this. And in general, they need to be more welcoming because, you know, it's 2019. You can't just have a conference where dudes show up. Uh, the hacking scene is much more than just men. And uh, in some ways, DEFCON has always been pretty welcoming. Uh, you know, f- they've had this party called QueerCon for years. Um, you know, it's very it's very common to see trans folks and, um, you know, non- non-gender conforming people at DEFCON. But yeah, in some ways, maybe this year was even better and even more welcoming. And that's great. I mean, I think that's how it should be. At the same time, too, we had some people sort of women calling out some of the the bullshit on Twitter, which I thought was was excellent and just sort of I couldn't have said it better myself because sometimes when you hear the way hacker men <laughs> talk about things, it's just it's not it's not cool, it's not fair, and it's it's also just really aggressive. Yeah, it's just bad. Um we weren't there but we had we heard rumors or rather we heard reports that during DEFCON one oh one, which is basically the um, the welcome to DEFCON talk at the beginning of the conference. Uh, some people were making um, inappropriate jokes, and that's obviously not great, but I think the silver lining there is that they were called out and a lot of people talked about it, so probably next year the organizers will make a point to be more inclusive and nicer in general. So one thing we did was we asked so many people, when we got a lot of interesting answers about what they think, you know, writ large, the InfoSec cybersecurity community can do better. And we got a lot of interesting comments. And I think, you know, everything ranging from people thinking it's toxic. If there's anything you think the cybersecurity InfoSec community could do better, what would it be? Be less toxic, more inclusive. I try as much as possible, but there's a couple of people in the industry who are big rock stars and who don't make anyone else welcome. To you know, people thinking that the cybersecurity community is too insular. Yeah, I think it's it's still, you know, despite the fact that I do believe that things are getting better, especially this year, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, it's still not easy to be a woman and in InfoSec. It's still not easy to be a black person in InfoSec. I think that they could do a better job of hiring African African Americans. And there's a a huge disparity between African-American representation at a higher level. You see African-Americans at the help desk to the system admin level, 
But when you start to go up to CISO, CIO, and all those levels, senior level positions, you don't see a large representation of African Americans. So I think that as an industry, we could strive to do better as much as we're doing for women, which is very great. I also think that we can make that same effort for African Americans. It's going to take a while. And it's going to be take an effort from everyone, you know, a concerted effort to call out bad behavior, to make an effort to be more inclusive, make an effort to be more welcoming, uh, you know, make a point that, you know, despite what some people think, you can be a good hacker without being a man. That whole idea of like hacking people and getting hacked, you know, very prolifically at, at DEF CON, I mean, that's some really toxic masculine garbage. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a, another way to put a barrier. You know, it's another way to scare newcomers and maybe even discourage them from coming to DEFCON because it's un, it's unsafe. You know, it's like you're going to get hacked. In conclusion, if we look at this, it's it's like DEFCON is changing. And so is InfoSec and cybersecurity. And it seems to be, you know, it's slowly, but we're starting to see it. And that was sort of my takeaway from this last DEFCON. Yeah, I agree. I think it was encouraging to see so many people notice that it was nicer and more welcoming. And as I said before, I think that is a long time coming and it's the only way for the community to get better. This week's episode was edited and recorded by Brian Arnold, hosted and produced by me, Ben Maku, and you will hear from us next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.